We Will Not Be Tamed, a Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation podcast that encourages all Texans to get involved in conserving the wild things and wild places of our state. Matt Hughes here again, Stewards of the Wild, Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. Uh, Want to say thanks to Josh, who is now joining us today. Yeah, I'm here. They won't, they won't know this because you know, we're separating this from weeks, right? But you are now joining us today. Um, I want to say thanks to Spokal Outfitters for your support of Stewards of the Wild, Stewards of the Wild Live. I want to say thanks to Caesar Clayberg Wildlife Research Institute for everything they do for Stewards of the Wild and the, and the Foundation. Uh, obviously, thanks to the department for everything that they do for the state of Texas and people visiting the state of Texas. We are joined today by both my co-host, Josh Compton. Howdy. Um, and Rodney Franklin from Texas Parks Walk Department and the yeah. State Parks. Uh, Rodney, thanks for being here. I know this is a, a big deal. We just had Craig, Craig Bonds out here a couple weeks ago. Um, he was great to talk about in the fisheries. Now your challenge is to beat Craig Bonds in viewership. <laughs> <laughs> challenge accepted. Good. Well, those are, and then when Robin comes out, we get yeah. Robin to come out, we'll just have some, some, internal, some internal competition between y'all. But Rodney, um, thank you again. You bet. For being out here. I really appreciate that. Um, I know that we, as a foundation, do a lot with state parks in particular. Um, I know that it is, like, one of probably the number one, you know, thing that Texans want, right? More state parks, more access, more opportunities to get involved in the outdoors, more places to hike and hunt and fish and experience the state. And, you know, I've always referred to our state parks as kind of like the crown jewels of, of Texas. I mean, it's got probably some of the most beautiful resources that the state has to offer that especially aren't under private, you know, uh, land ownership. So, Ronnie, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your background, kind of what your career path led you to becoming the uh, division director of state parks. And then um, we'll jump into, after that, we'll jump into a little bit about state parks, you know, the broad, the broad scope, and we'll dive into some of those little tidbits that you want to get into. You bet, you bet. Sounds good. First of all, thanks for having me. Really glad to be here. Anytime I get a chance to talk about state parks, I'm in. So uh, it's one of my favorite topics. And um, Matt, you asked a little bit about my background, and I, you know, I, I've I've said this a lot, and it's absolutely true. I am sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in as the director today, simply because someone invited me to join uh, the world of conservation. Someone um, thought I would be good at uh, giving tours at a historic site, and my Spanish teacher in high school asked me if I wanted a summer job and uh, she, she knew of an opening at a historic site in my hometown of Paris, Texas. So I said, you know, I was a 16 year old kid, why not? I'll try it out. And so I, I actually went uh, to the Sam Bell Maxi House in Paris, Texas and I did everything you could imagine doing at a historic site. I, I mowed the grounds. I did some curatorial work for some of the artifacts there. I gave tours to the public. Um, and then later, uh, as a senior in high school, I even did the books. I was doing uh, purchase orders on an IBM Selectric. So um, it was a great introduction into just work in general, but also I'm fortunate that that was my introduction into Texas Parks and Wildlife. So I did that for uh, throughout my high school career and then some during college, Texas A&M University grad here. Um, and I wasn't exactly sure what I was gonna do, but I came back to Paris, Texas, and there was an opening for the superintendent role at that same location. So 
And if it had not been for my time as a seasonal intern-esque type of position, knowing the specific operations at that park and that job opening coming open at that particular time where I had the college background to go with the experience, I might not have gotten that job mm -hmm. um, because I'd have had the schooling but not the specific experience. But I did get the job there at the San Bell Maxi House as a superintendent. I later was promoted to Lake Pops Hanlon State Park, um, so I got a taste of the recreational side of parks and wildlife and introducing people into outdoor recreation, camping, hiking, mm -hmm. that sort of thing, fishing. And then later got promoted to the complex manager at Cooper Lake State Park. Um, I did that job for six to six or seven years. Um, just a lot more people, a lot bigger operation, 27 um, employees supervising there. And from there I became the regional director in Waco. Um, spent nine years doing that, um, nine years as the regional director before becoming the deputy director of state parks and then eventually for the last two and a half years director of state parks. And I love it. I, I've loved my career. It's all I've ever known. I've grown up in state parks. Um, one of the things I love about my job is that it's different every day. Whether you're talking about being a superintendent, regional director, or this job, there are so many topics and so many things that are going on in state parks that uh, it's just different every day, and I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something that we, we it's interesting to provide some continuity between what we've talked about the rest of the earlier today with some of the other shows we've recorded. Um, you know, as Katie was here from HR and just talking about how do you get involved and like to talk about, you know, you volunteered and you, you worked at the lower, lowest kind of level of that to kind of learn job, career opportunities and placement and things like that. That's such a you know, great story to tell that you've kind of worked up from, from the bottom all the way up to the top. I mean, yeah. that's such a cool deal. I mean, and I, you know, I, I kind of respect that and appreciate that so much to learn. I mean, and especially now where you're sitting. You know, you weren't an outside hire. You know what was happening at those local levels. You can appreciate what those people are going through. And I think that's a really cool thing. And you know, yeah. kudos, kudos to you. Thank you for for doing that. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, the state park division. Um, how many state parks are there? Mm -hmm. Where do they range from? I yeah. imagine they'll call across the state. But yeah. <laughs> uh, where do they range from? And then you know, like what. Um, you know, what are some of the, you know, how many employees do you have and like what kind of the, some of the challenges and things that you, you know, you face on day to day? Sure. Um, yeah, I can talk about that. Um, Texas uh, State Parks, we have 88 state parks spread across the great state of Texas. Um, and one of the things that's uh, unique about Texas, y'all probably heard that commercial, Texas is like a whole nother country. Uh, and that's true. We have so many uh, ecosystems in uh, Texas. So you've got the Panhandle Plains, you've got the Piney Woods of East Texas, and you have coastal uh, prairies uh, down in the Gulf Coast. So our parks uh, uh, are just as vast and as different as the ecosystems in Texas. So we have uh, 88 of uh, parks stretching from, we've got the second largest canyon uh, in the continental United States in Palo Duro Canyon. We've got coastal parks so you can spend time at the beach. Um, and then we have parks in the hill country. So just beautiful views at all of our 88 state parks uh, ranging across Texas. And we have uh, about 1,400 employees, um, professionals that take care of these special places in Texas. Um, and 
this the largest uh, division in Texas Parks and Wildlife? I had to be sure and say that because you had Craig on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Good. So we checked that off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gotcha, Craig. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> State Parks is the largest, uh, but it takes a lot of people to yeah. uh, take care of these very special places. When you think about it, um, we deal with over 8 million visitors a year. Yeah. And when you have a, a, a camping area that has over 300 campsites, you've got 8 to 10 people per campsite, it becomes a small little city. Yeah. Uh, and so we have our uh, state park police officers that are in charge of keeping people safe and keeping the resources safe. We collect uh, over $50 million in revenue at our, our park, so we have to account wow. for those uh, that those resources as well, and we're responsible stewards for the that, those financial resources as well. But we also have PhDs and scientists that uh, have to help us manage the um, natural landscape as well. So we have natural resource specialists, and we have archaeologists in in state parks that take care of the history that exists at some of our state parks. So our fourteen hundred uh, employees uh, range the gamut from the park rangers that you see every day in state parks to people in regional offices in, in, in the Austin offices that support those folks, those office managers and superintendents and park rangers out in the field. It's a big, big group of people. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm curious to know kind of what does, what does your typical day look like from the position that you're in? I, I think people will be really interested to hear what that is. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and as I mentioned earlier, it depends on what day it is, and it, would, it depends on what time of day it is. Uh, there's, there's almost not a typical day, uh, especially this time of year when we've got the legislative session happening. There's a, a lot of interest uh, for the department uh, happening down at the Capitol. And You're also under sunset, correct? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Our sunset bill is, uh, is in the legislature this year, so uh, hoping to get that uh, uh, through the session okay and uh, um, so we work with uh, um, the folks downtown to uh, answer questions about what's uh, going to happen next with uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife and, and state parks. Um, so this time of year my day maybe uh, have a component where I'm providing information to our executive director Carter Smith but most of the time it's uh, major issues that are, are coming to the state parks where whether it be uh, some acquisition of land, um, some um, issue we're having at, with a construction project. We're, well, you've all heard that we have about $800 million uh, backlog in um, maintenance and repairs that our infrastructure division is helping us carry out. So at any given time... Which Prop, Prop 5 should help, hopefully help Exactly. With. Definitely want to talk about I'll Prop talk about 5. We, we are going to um, be in a better position to be able to do that. So at any time, there are a lot of projects going on that uh, we get briefed on um, and the status of whether or not we're going to be able to open a particular facility uh, or not. We'll talk a little bit later about Palo Pinto Mountains and how that's going. So my day may be uh, filled with talking through that, but... Uh, a lot of times it's a, it, it is um, different um, major issues that impact state parks that de the decision may have wider ramifications, whether it's dealing with a vendor or a concessionaire. And uh, I have to get briefed on all of those things and then uh, talk about how we're going to manage through, through them to support our employees. And that's the other part of my job, too, is supporting the 1,400 employees mm -hmm. and doing things that can can help them do their job better, whether it's coming up 
uh, developing some sort of training that could help them and us talking about that system-wide and then how we're going to allocate the resources that we come that come maybe from Prop 5 to best support the system as a whole. So lots of meetings basically never is what all that means. <laughs> lots of meetings. Yeah, never I mean, a dull day though. Right. Never a dull day. No. And because every day is something different that comes up. Yeah. I remember coming up in the ranks of Parks and Recreation and one, I had a mentor that said to me, he said, as I was trying to get myself up higher on the food chain, he was like, you know, no matter if you have one or a hundred, once you have employees, they take up the majority of your time. That's right. And That's right. so I learned that, that lesson, you know, when I was living in Florida, I learned that lesson very, very quickly. But um, we've all had a pretty interesting year and a half. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I think when a lot of us were experiencing this, what do we do now kind of moment, I mean, I know y'all were too, right? But um, what has COVID you know, over the past year and a half meant to the state parks. How have y'all, I mean, because when everything shut down, y'all were a huge resource. You know, even the governor was like, we need to keep those going. Yeah. So, I only got 30 minutes, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could talk a lot about the impact yeah. of COVID on, on state parks. I really could, because... Uh, you're exactly right, Matt. I mean, a lot of people at the beginning of, of when this hit were scrambling, and state parks were no different. What does this mean? How do we have to change our cleaning standards? How, what are we going to do to keep our visitors safe? How are we going to manage this to keep um, our staff safe? What changes are, are we going to make? So we were really... Um, uh, day by day trying to figure out get more information about uh, COVID-19 and then getting the word out to our staff about what changes we could make uh, to keep our visitors safe and to operate differently or better uh, to, to get people connected to the outdoors because we wanted to do that. If uh, COVID taught us anything, it taught us that uh, people really need their outdoor spaces for their physical, mental, and spiritual well-being, it is important to connect with nature. So people wanted to get outside and wanted to, and so they were knocking at our door, but we also had the responsibility uh, to keep people safe and to keep people from gathering in crowds. And a lot of people think of parks as they're these wide open spaces, and, and a lot of times they are. But many times what you forget is that within that wide open spaces, that wide open space, many people want to go to collect in the same spot. Uh, they want to go to the lighthouse trail. And I remember one story in particular in the early days of COVID, I got a call from a visitor uh, that was disappointed in their experience at one of our parks because they go, they want to hike, you want to hike, you want to take your dog. You don't want that trail hike to be like you're standing in line at the grocery store because mm -hmm. there are so many people back to back they couldn't navigate the trail, and we don't want that experience for our visitors either. Um, so we had to leverage our state park business system and our reservation system to help us navigate the crowds, and we were trying to follow the um, uh, guidance from the governor of keeping a 25% capacity, then 15% yeah. capacity. So we were trying to navigate that as well. We were trying to make sure we uh, close facilities so we could clean them thoroughly, but also close our group facilities. So uh, we were having to manage through, through that because people wanted to have their family reunions, yeah. but uh, it was difficult to have that many people gathered at the same time. So 
daily we were talking to our teams out in the field, we were talking to our regional directors and trying to learn information about COVID-19 and impart how we were going to change our operations to manage through it, Pitting up, putting up uh, barriers between uh, the customer and our visitors, doing hands-free um, transactions, mm. doing a lot of our transactions online, Matt, yeah. and our new business system allowed us to do that. That way, you did all your transactions online before you got to the park, and there was very limited one-on-one um, -on -one interaction between the customers, so that kept us and the customer safe. We could just print your pass and send you on your way. So a lot of those things uh, we, we had to learn through, and we did, and managed through it. I think we've kind of found our groove, the good thing about the, um, if there is a good thing. A lot of people that didn't know about state parks before discovered state parks during that time. And so we had a lot of stories of, I've never been to a park before, tell me what to do. So we were able to leverage that and allow people to enjoy parks the way they wanted to. Um, just a quick story, I know uh, sometimes when you mention, hey, uh, to some of my relatives, do you want to go on a hike? They're, they're uh, picturing a, a hike up the Himalayas with a big yeah, <laughs> backpack. <yeah. laughs> um, but if you, tell, if you say, hey, Grandma, you want to go for a walk outside, they're all about that. And so that's what um, we provide for people at, at parks, just to walk outside, just to have a picnic outside. Yeah. You don't have to um, be, um, you know, a Sherpa <laughs> to, to enjoy parks. So new people discovering parks, we want to keep them connected uh, to parks uh, moving forward. And so that was the good thing. And uh, a lot of what will remain is some of our distance learning that we did. Our interpreters mm -hmm. uh, shifted to distance learning. We were able to do a lot of that. So that's fantastic, and a lot of that will stay, along with uh, leveraging our business system to be able to connect people uh, to the outdoors without having as much one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we'll still be there to service our customers. Uh, we're going to be there to help them. They still... People are still going to get lost on the trails. Yeah. They still need a ranger to come help them, and we're going to be there to do that to make sure they have a safe, responsible experience. Well, I think it's, you know, the state parks, uh, as I watched social media feeds, you know, a lot of people were on social media during during the pandemic, particularly in the beginning, and as I watched the state parks open, become available to people, and as they utilize them, it was just such a good escape yeah. for, for people. Such yeah. a good way to get outside your house, take your mind off things. And I don't see that changing. It's going to be amazing that, you know, and that there is a silver lining, right? Everything has a silver lining. Yeah. And that is the silver lining, I think, is that the outdoors and hopefully the support. Are you guys seeing that translate into more support for, for, the, for the park system as well? We are. I've been very much uh, bolstered by the goodwill that we've been hearing from people. So many people saying we appreciate everything you're doing. We, you have meant so much to our family to be able to get outside, um, and that that support has been. We've seen it everywhere. It's um, our friends groups are. We've got increased uh, friends groups because people are getting connected to the outdoors and they want to be a part of it. So uh, our volunteers, we depend on them quite heavily. We have a lot of people interested in being a part of the State Parks team and Texas Parks and Wildlife because they discovered uh, State Parks during this time. And, and certainly um, those constituents are, are letting people know, letting their voices be heard that parks are important to us and 
we're seeing a lot of that support uh, is, is very helpful during the legislative session and uh, during times of um, anytime you want to have support it's good to uh, have a product that people want and uh, folks have been very supportive of us and it's, it's been good to see well I mean I, I mean I you know two things I want to kind of touch base on one is I think um, you know, stewards as an organization, as a program, as well as other places like REI, right, does a great job. But I, I think that we, to your point with COVID, we saw this, you know, training people and, and teaching people leave no trace principles and how to protect those resources <clears throat> because we want more people to come out to our state parks and to our, you know, our parks in general and all these public lands, but, you know, training them on how to respect those properties and, and, leave them better than they found it, I think is a, is a major principle that we're all striving for. And so, I mean, I hope that, you know, I think there was that, what was it, Love to Death was the yeah. video y'all did not uh, too exactly. long ago? Yep, exactly. That, that's a great, like, way to communicate is, like, look, we, we all obviously love our resources. Now we need to love them so much that we care for them so that other people can appreciate them as much as we do. Yeah, that's a great point, Matt. And we absolutely saw that as, as well. Not only did we have people asking, can you help me set up my tent, because I don't know how, but we had to educate folks mm -hmm. on um, good stewardship principles because yep. they hadn't been engaged in, in the outdoors. So it's an opportunity um, uh, to, to teach and, and to grow new guardians in, in that education. So you're absolutely right. And can you talk a little bit about more about, because um, it's relatively new, I say relatively new, I'm wiping out 2020 as a year <laughs> gotcha. altogether. Um, but uh, the new reservation system, I think, you know, some people love it, some people hate it. Right, right. right. But, I mean, I think people that are new to the outdoors love the idea of, like, I can make a reservation. I think the people that were traditionally used to, I'm just going to show up at 8 o'clock because I know I can get there, yeah. right, and, like, yeah. I can beat everybody. But now we ha we're now we're probably allowing people who are more tech-savvy access to the outdoors. Yeah. Um, it's a great opportunity, you know. I mean, I'm sure you guys are faced with all kinds of pros and cons, but talk uh, a little bit about that reservation. You made. No, I think you described it exactly right. Pros and cons, and we're constantly uh, trying to balance um, how we can leverage technology to help us manage these resources best, but also provide a good quality customer service and a visitor experience. We want to do that. We want to engage people and, and want to make sure people can get outside, which means. We're always going to have the opportunity for someone to just show up at a park and and go to their favorite park. the The problem is we have so many people that want to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have capacity limits, and we do have situations where parks get full. You've probably seen the video, Matt, of the long car line Oops, yeah. at at Enchanted Rock. Well, this new business system allowed those folks that used to stay in line to get online on their couch before they left for EROC and see if there's availability. And if there is, they can get their pass before they leave and guarantee that they're gonna get entry. The flip side of that, they can get online and if they see that the park is already full and there are no more day passes left, let me check out another park yeah. that I can go to. That's so important. I don't have to wait in that line uh, and not be able to get in. So it has been very uh, important for us as a, as a tool to kind of manage uh, visitor expectations. It's helpful for the visitors to be able to plan, uh, but also helps us manage the capacity. But I want to 
I want to be very clear about the fact that we understand that uh, folks have different availability or capability with regard to technology. So we also want to make sure that uh, folks have the opportunity uh, to come to a park and, and just get so it's not at one time yeah, I think the yeah. fear at one time we were requiring everyone to Internet make it yeah, yeah exactly but but now that uh, is 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 no longer the case you don't have to the problem is there's so many people parks are so popular right now and so many people are coming to parks it is best if you have a reservation before you yeah. go uh, because you never know when the parks are just going to be at capacity uh, but if you go uh, to Blanco on a Tuesday and there's availability, come on in. We'll yeah. welcome you in. But I mean, that's, I mean, it really is so important, and it's hard to emphasize that to the average, you know, patron of the parks. Is that you know you want to provide an excellent experience, you know, and a safe experience. And it, you know, for Josh and I, you may not, you may not be catering to us. We know how to handle ourselves in the outdoors. But you have a lot of people that may be out coming outdoors for the first time. That's right. You know, and you want to be able to provide a safe, you know, educational and enriching experience for those individuals, you know, and regardless of our experience in the outdoors, we want to care about everybody in the state right. of Texas. Yeah, we, we have a lot of people at various skill levels, yeah. at various spots on the spectrum of outdoor engagement. Um, and parks are for everyone. It, they really are. We want everybody to feel welcome and everyone to be able to experience the greatness that we all know are state parks. So even if your skill level is not to the degree of yours, we want you to come out and have a safe experience. So we have to be able to respond and be able to um, cater to that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if we are overrun with people, it hampers our ability to serve some of the folks that may need to be served. We only have so many people, uh, so many staff members per park, and then our ability to manage through uh, the visitation it is limited as well. But you're absolutely right. We, we want to make sure that everybody has a safe experience. And sometimes there are folks that depend more on us for that than others. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really neat that you, you bring that up, that that's a factor, is can you handle all the people in there? Not, not just what the carrying, carrying capacity of the park itself is, but what the ability for you guys to provide a safe environment. And Matt, you bring up a really good point as well. State parks are really the perfect place to go to to learn to camp, mm -hmm. to get that entry into the outdoors. And and I you know, I've never really reflected back, but reflecting back in my youth, that's where we started. We started yeah. in state parks and we started maybe camping out inside of the car and, mm -hmm. and then you go a few years down the road and the next thing you know you're out in the national forest somewhere, you know, backpacking into remote areas. But mm -hmm. state parks are an yeah, providing that resource where you have water and electric, maybe electricity, maybe not, but you know facilities mm -hmm. to use a restroom. Mm -hmm. That's such a great component to you know getting kids out in the in the outdoors and then going from there to say, are you comfortable with this? Let's take the next step. You know, so to transition a little bit, um, what are some things that you are excited to see happen in the state parks over the next couple of years? Uh, great question, and, <laughs> and I will tell you, uh, we, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh, Matt, the, um, so thankful that the people of Texas, you talk about the support for state parks, uh, the passage of Proposition 5 that dedicates sporting goods sales tax uh, to state parks and historic sites was transformational to the state of Texas. 
Um, and I don't know if you know, but that, that bill passed, the citizens of Texas passed it by 88%. Wow. Uh, yeah, that, wow. is, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, they that loved just, it. Yeah, that yeah, shows you the great. kind of support. So we are um, on the cusp of being able to realize um, uh, the results of that. Um, the legislature has been very generous uh, to us and uh, over the years. So we'll be able to take um, uh, some of the funds for uh, the Proposition 5 and leverage that to make parks better. And so I'm really excited about the opportunity um, that stable, uh, consistent funding will provide for us. Because so we can be assured of some s'mores some, some, some at every state park provided for us. <laughs> a free s'more bag? Yeah, so yeah, a free oh, s'more bag. bag. You come in, you get a graham crackers, you get chocolate, you get, you get mush, marshmallows. I, I will put that on the list, Matt. Yeah. And, okay. uh, we'll, yeah. <laughs> along with uh, making sure the restroom is fixed and ready to go. Yeah, with some potpourri. Right? Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. There you go. Um, but it really is going to provide us the opportunity to plan um, and, and to, instead of being reactionary, we'll be able to plan a little bit better. So what that, what that means is um, parks like Palo Pinto Mountains um, that is in development right now. We're depending on the uh, uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation for their fundraising efforts uh, to help us with that. And I, I know that's ongoing as well. But that combined with um, what we're doing um, with our uh, Proposition 5 and other funds and uh, working with TxDOT, we're going to open a brand new park in 2023, sometime in 2023, mm -hmm. um, right in between Dallas-Fort Worth area and the Abilene uh, area, 75 miles from each on I-20. Oh, wow. It's going to be our newest state park, and I'm excited uh, about that. We talked about people clamoring for the outdoors. Uh, we need more outdoor space. And being able to open a park like Palo Pinto Mountains uh, in the next several years is going to be a boon for us. And uh, speaking of, of which, um, in a few short years, Texas State Parks will be celebrating 100 years. Yeah, 2023 yeah. is a pretty big year. Yeah, 2023 yeah, is going to yeah. be a big year. That is our centennial year, and uh, we are already in the planning phases for that celebration. We want to uh, celebrate uh, what parks have been for people and what have they what they've meant for people. But we also want looking forward uh, to set the vision for the next hundred years. So. Um, we're going to be looking to invite people who have not been to state parks before and who aren't engaged. We're going to uh, invite people who have um, traditionally not used parks and we want them to be a part of state parks. And so the centennial celebration is going to be huge for us. Really looking forward to that. Um, and just in addition, we'll have the opportunity to make parks better for our visitors. Um, we're just going to have that opportunity. Uh, thanks to the support the people of Texas have shown us. Um, we have a, a, a few other uh, pieces of property that as years go on we'll be able to develop like Chinati Mountains uh, is going to on the horizon, ABK outside just in this area outside of uh, San Antonio and Powderhorn is another park. We're just, we're, we can't wait to just get our hands into seeing what those parks can be and start to design, plan, design, and develop those parks like we are at Palo Pinto Mountains. Wow. Yeah, that's going to be a pretty special special future for the state of Texas. I think people. we need to have a Visit All the Parks Challenge in 2023. Well, you know, I mean, I did pitch 
a for the centennial. I did pitch. A couple of us, you know, should get a uh, RV and go visit every state park Everyone. and do a podcast mm-hmm. and tell the story. I know and, a couple, but do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a couple people that would be interested yeah. in doing that, right? Like, and maybe interviewing campers there that were like, "Hey, why do you come to the state park?" Like, like what is your, yeah, you like that? I yeah, like I that. That's a great <laughs> idea. Right? I, I thought that was sport. a great idea. I love yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it doesn't have to be something crazy, but just go visit every state park and then go and interview some campers and say, hey, have you been coming here with your family for 20 years or is this your first time? What yeah. What brings you to, to the state parks? You know, and just say, hey, like, this is, this is the story of the state parks. I mean, because uh, for me, it's the, I mean, the state parks, again, like I mentioned earlier, are the crown jewels of Texas, but it's, mm-hmm the human story that makes the importance of, of the state parks, right? It's like, what what are these bringing to the people of Texas and, and the country? People come from all over the country and visit our state parks, you know? So, yeah. I mean, and um, I would love to tell those stories somehow. I, I will tell you, the stories in state parks are as vast and as diverse as the lands we serve in Texas. I that's I will tell you, when, when, you at, when people have asked me if I miss working in a park, being... And, and uh, I will tell you, there are days I really do. Uh, and what I miss about that is that interaction with the, with the people. Uh, I, I remember uh, at Cooper Lake, I had a, a family that would come from Germany every Christmas, uh, and they would bring strudel. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. And I, could, I mean, story. they would look forward yeah. to it every time, and I'd love seeing them come in. And there are stories like that. Every state park has a story like that. You know, my great-granddad was coming to this park. Yeah. My, my grandmother got married in this park. Those stories are what I really love hearing. Well, we could take we could take Rodney with us, but he'd <laughs> yeah. be in costume because like, the employees would be like, I could be yeah. undercover. Yeah. Undercover. The, the division director's here. We got yeah. <laughs> undercover boss. There you go. Undercover <laughs> boss. All the state parks. Um, so, Rodney, so what are some things, that, I mean, what, like, what do you love about your job about the state parks about yeah. the department I mean, what is what gets you up every morning yeah so we've touched on it a little bit but I, I will tell you right now um, it, it's about the fact that uh, you know as a, as a park superintendent my, my view and focus was on that specific part and as a regional director I was really it was a broader view but I was really focused on my on the region that I was serving as the state parks division director I get to hear and see the quality and good work that our professionals in this, not just the division, but the agency, but there's cool things happening in the entire um, uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife Agency. There are really cool things happening in state parks. There are really cool things that are being planned. Uh, when, you, when you talk about the things we're thinking about with the centennial and you see ideas come up, and those ideas blossom into real life happenings. Uh, it's great. You get the story about a uh, ambassador that then becomes an employee that is now really doing great work uh, as an interpreter or as a uh, assistant superintendent or something. I get to see all of those stories, and it it just inspires me because there's so much good work that's going on in state parks that our employees are doing. And the fact that I get to see that and hear those stories from our employees and see them get excited about an idea that they bring forth to make parks better, to see the connection that we do for our visitors that become, 
I can't tell you how cool it is to see a kid catch his first fish. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen that, and you see their faces light up. I've got a picture of, uh, of a kid at a at a kidfish at one of my parks, and you could just they're about to touch the the fish they just caught, and they're just grinning from ear to ear. And that's the kind of thing that I get to see on a wider scale that really excites me about my position and being in state parks right now. I love that's it. Awesome. Wow, that's amazing. Um, what, so kind of the last question, so people know who are listening, so what are some of the things that you, you experience as a challenge that, you know, the stewards or people who else are, are paying attention to this, what are some of the challenges that you face that you would like to see, um, maybe internally or externally that you would like to see help, you know, rectify? What are some of the things that you would like to Yeah, change? I, I, you know... For us, um, one of the things that has always been a challenge is, you know, it's no secret that um, as far as public lands in Texas goes, there's very little of it, right? And so... Per capita. um, Per capita, yeah. yeah. And per acreage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So uh, it's a large state, but um, public land is not, there's not as much. And we're, the the state of Texas, the population continues to grow. Mm -hmm. And, And I, you know, I worry about, um, because we've all talked about the fact that um, the need, the desire to get outside and experience the outdoors, that hasn't changed and is not going away. People want places to go, uh, and I'm glad that we're able to uh, open up places like Palo Pinto Mountains and open up more more spaces, but I hope that we can keep up. Mm-hmm. I hope we can keep up with the demand uh, for outdoor space. So. We're going to continue to look to do that and uh, leverage um, whatever we can to help facilitate people getting outdoors while at the same time taking care of these places. Uh, And you also touched on it too. We also want to make sure that as uh, uh, people are discovering state parks and discovering the outdoors and conservation in general, we're educating them on how to take care of these places. The, The one thing I worry about uh, Matt is that um, eventually I will retire at some point um, and I'm excited about some of the people that will be doing this job in, over the next several years but I do want to make sure that we're growing that next level of stewards that will be doing this job in the next 50 years so that when we have a prop 5 50 years from here now or 100 years from now it passes with 98% and not 88% so I'm and I also know that the work that we're doing today can impact that, right? And so what I want to make sure that we're doing is that we're going to reach as many people as we, can, as we can to grow those next levels of stewards, but we're also leveraging our partners to help us with that because we can't do it all. So that's a challenge uh, for us because uh, the state is, is, is there's a, a lot of population in the state of Texas and a lot of it is focused in our urban areas want to make sure that we uh, get people connected to the outdoors so that they're advocates for us. I'm going to change up our closing, because we're, we're at the top of the show. Oh, sorry, we're at no. the top of the show? Yeah, so I'm going I'm to change the closing, because this has been a very inspiring conversation very. to me. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to change the, the last closing questions. I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to yeah. hear what you're going to I want to know, yeah, what, is, what do you want your legacy to be mm. at TPWD? Yeah. Wow. That's a great question. He's making you go deep. It's normally yeah. so topical, this question. I yeah. like this a lot. 
And, and I might use this more in the future. Okay. I want to know what your legacy wants to be at yeah. WWD. So, and uh, that's not a short answer, so I hope there's no buzzer. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I will tell you, Matt, honestly, um, I, I, like I said, I grew up in state parks. I love it. And, I, and so I want to make sure that state parks are around for the next hundred years. I am a part of this division and part of this work, conservation work, as I mentioned, because someone invited me to join this agency, and I love it. I want to make sure that we get to a place um, when I retire or after I retire and I look back, I want to make sure that when I look back at state parks, we're at a place where everyone feels welcome to go to a state park. Everybody knows about the state park down the road or closest to their area and they've been there and they've enjoyed it and they don't even think about it. They don't even question the fact that it's a part of their a fabric of their life. Uh, that's what I want all Texans to feel. Uh, and I know that's a tall order, but, um, but the fact of the matter is um, people of color are underrepresented in outdoor spaces. And the demographics of Texas are changing. And so I want to make sure that we're engaging people now so that they grow up and see themselves in my spot. People that look like me see themselves in state parks. So I want our places, our special places in Texas to be a place where everyone feels engaged, everyone feels like that, that this park is theirs. Uh, and there are people in, in, in Texas for whatever reason, because they've grown up in Dallas and they've just never gone to a state park. It doesn't, it's not a matter of what they look like or any of that. It's just a matter of they're not, they haven't uh, been aware of state parks. But when we get to a point where it's just second nature for people to go to state parks and feel welcome and have a great time, no matter where they are on the spectrum of, uh, of conservation, that's when I know I will have succeeded. And so that's what I want my legacy to be is a place where every state park welcomes everyone. That's, I just got goosebumps. That's an amazing legacy. <laughs> yeah. Anything that I can do, I'm, I know that we're here to support that 100%. I know the stewards yeah. would be yeah. here to support we're that here. 100%. And, you know, it's, it's a great thought that everybody has a state park. Mm -hmm. And as we've been talking through the show, I can tell you that I've been thinking about the state parks that have been important to me in my life. Mm -hmm. But that whole idea of what's your state park? Which, which one? Mm -hmm. You know, that exactly. home park. Yeah. Your home park. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone cool. should have one of those. Everybody should them. have one. Yeah. That it's like, yeah, that's my home park. Yeah. I visit other parks, but this is that one. That's exactly. my, that's my baby. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's really cool. Yeah. Wow. I'm Pertinellis myself. You know, is it your Pertinellis? That's yeah. funny, because I think I'm Pertinellis, too. Pertinellis. I was thinking that the critical ones have been... That one's made some big Pertinellis, Garner, uh, Lost Maples. Yeah. Those, those three... And Enchanted Rock, too, I do remember, I learned to rock climb the first time at Enchanted Rock when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those four, but Pertinalis is the one. That yeah, something about those, that, those rocks and the river running through it was pretty inspiring. Pretty yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask one last question. You bet. If you could, add, if you could uh, put a state park in, a new state park, not the ones that we've already talked about. So mm -hmm. Powderhorn and Chinatis and mm -hmm. Palo Pinto, they don't count. But uh, if you could put a new state park in any eco region or any part of Texas, oh, oh, oh. where would you drop a pin and put it? Wow. That is a great question. <laughs> you know, 
as I as I look across um, the state of Texas, and you you get to that Panhandle Plains area, mm -hmm. um, and I'm 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 answering this question strictly on a um, um, geographical, yeah. you know, where where is a where is there a void? Yes, yes. yes. Um, so I, I would think as you go to that Panhandle Plain, somewhere in uh, in that uh, Upper West uh, region is where I would like to um, put a. We've got San Angelo uh, out that direction. We've got uh, Caprock Canyon. We've got Paladero Canyon. But there's there's a little void, yeah, little void there. I would. Uh, we got Monahans out that way. I, mm -hmm. I'd drop a pin strategically right in that area of Texas. I think is what I would do because, um, as much as I love all the eco regions of Texas and the Piney Woods, I love the coast and all. We've got representation there, uh, and so I would, if if I had to answer that question, that's where I'd put a pin. Man, Ronnie's great. He's focusing on human diversity and ecological diversity. Yeah, yeah. that's what it's all about right here. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is um, a great show. Yeah, this is a great show. Thanks, Rodney. Thank you for being here. Oh, you're I welcome. I enjoyed it. it. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. I, I feel inspired. <laughs> yeah. um, Josh, thank you for being here, co-host and Stewards of the Wild Live. Uh, thanks for well, Book Hall Outfitters. Can I give a shout-out real quick? Yeah, shout-out. I, I want to thank you, Rodney, and all the 1,400 members of your team for all that you guys have done and do every day for the state of Texas, for the outdoors. Um, truly appreciate it. Thank you for yeah. saying that. I appreciate it. It's awesome. I mean, we all love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. So, um, yeah, thank you again, Spoke Hall Outfitters, for supporting Stewards of the Wildlife. Sue Claver Wildlife Research Institute couldn't do what we do without them. Um, all our partners, Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, TWA. Thanks to all the people paying attention and watching the show. We love y'all. Wouldn't do it without y'all. Um, again, Rodney, thank you for being here. You bet. We appreciate it. Until next time, ne until next week, y'all keep it wild. <laughs> See you then. Brought to you by Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, We Will Not Be Tamed calls us all to appreciate the wildness of Texas, the vastness of our Texas spirit, and why we should be inspired to conserve it. Find out more at wewillnotbetamed.org.